0: And so, Pastor, listen, if you're a pastor here this morning, your ecclesial location with people means a cruciform vocation for people. That means death will be at work in you so that life might be at work in your people. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you are yoked to people who sometimes can be unruly, and thus you're yoked to suffering with your people and for your people.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Pastor Theologian Show. This week we are featuring another presentation from one of our past theology conferences. This presentation was actually given at our very first conference, the Pastor Theologian Identities and Possibilities, which was hosted at Calvary Memorial Church way back in November of 2015. This presentation was given by our very own Todd Wilson, who is now the president of the CPT, and the title of this talk is The Pastor as Cruciform Theologian. Let's get right into the talk. Well, good morning again.
0: Great to be be with you. So I have the privilege of rounding out this, uh, this conference, which means I think in baseball terminology, I'm the finisher, is that what you call it? The, the, which, which I take to be the, the guy that comes in in the ninth inning to throw a few balls just to amuse himself after the game's already been played. Is that sort of the right analogy for this? Well, actually, seriously, uh, I, I have the privilege of taking up what I think is a hugely important topic which is tied to the theme, of course, which is the pastor theologian as pastor, as pastor. And I take this to mean that I should try to articulate what it is about the pastoral calling or about the pastor's life that contributes to the work of being a pastor theologian. And let me say right up front that that's not an easy task, and frankly, I don't know exactly why Gerald assigned me this task, but I've learned over the years it's best not to question what Gerald assigns, just to things go better when I just do what he asks me to do, so, so that's what I'm doing this morning. And so let me get right down to business and uh, set up the talk this way. What I want to do is I want to first identify what one of, our key, me, one of our key claims is as an organization the Center for Pastor-Theologians, one of our key claims, and then I want to make an honest confession about this key claim, okay? So first, the key claim about the pastor-theologian. One of, you see, one of the leading insights for us at the Center has been the importance of social location. You've heard that language probably through the conference already. Social location in shaping and informing and influencing theological reflection. Social location on theological reflection. In the high tide of postmodernism, that's almost a cliche thing to say, right? That social location impacts your perspective on things. But for pastor theologians, I think it's still a point worth emphasizing because pastors inhabit a different vocational space or social location than, say, academic theologians. And that matters. It's an ecclesial location. Their social location is an ecclesial location, and we want to argue that that's significant to the theological reflection, and we want to believe for the better, actually. (coughs) So that's one of our key claims, social location's influence on theological reflection. Now, to the honest confession, and here it is about the claim. While we've insisted on the importance of social location for doing theology, we've not yet really, in in our judgment, articulated precisely how or in what way this unique social location of the pastorate actually shapes theological reflection. You might say we've asserted it, that it matters, but we haven't gone on to elaborate really in what ways does it matter? In what ways does it influence theological reflection? And so in this talk, I want to try to to take a modest first attempt at answering that question. So what is it about the pastoral calling or about pastoral social location that influences theological reflection in unique and helpful ways? What is it? Or what is true of the pastoral calling that's different from other callings that influences the doing of theology? That's the question I want us to grapple with together. So you might say, I'm going to take up a piece of advice from C.S. Lewis, who who once introduced a sermon this way that he was about ready to preach. He said, quote, when a layman has to preach a sermon, I think he's most likely to be useful or even interesting if he starts exactly where he is, not so much presuming to instruct as comparing notes. And that's what I'd like to do with this talk is just take a modest first attempt at, at, at giving an answer to that question. How the social location, the ecclesial location of the pastor influences theology, not so much to instruct, but rather to compare notes and and, and welcome to invite your feedback. So then what is it about the pastor's social location, or better, let's put it this way, ecclesial location that shapes the kind of theological reflection he offers to the church? Well, I'd say this about that question. As I read the New Testament, not least the teaching of Jesus letters of Paul, letters of Peter, and as I read biographies of pastors of old, and as I candidly reflect on my own experience, I find myself arriving at this conclusion, that the pastor's ecclesial location entails a cruciform vocation. That's the key. The social location of the pastor, which is an ecclesial location, in and with and for people. You know what that that means? That means a cruciform vocation. You know that word, cruciform, cruciformity? Literally, being conformed to the cross of Christ. Or in Pauline idiom, the way Paul would put it, he would say this. Being crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. And we shouldn't, when we hear that sentence, that, that bold statement from Paul, we should avoid the temptation to read that abstractly. As though this is like a meaningful encounter with Jesus, sort of he was crucified with Christ, sort of abstractly in his mind. It is not abstract for Paul. It is very real and very concrete for Paul. Remember what Paul says at the end of Galatians, that he bears on his body the brand marks of Christ, the 39 lashes. And so his co-crucifixion, his crucifixion with Christ, which is generative of his theology, is not some abstraction. That is the price he paid for doing ministry in suffering and being conformed to the pattern of Jesus's own death. And And so it's not, this cruciformity is is not a kind of garden variety mishaps that come into our life. You might say, this is not splinters we're talking about. This is the suffering of self-sacrifice. That's what cruciformity is. It's the suffering in our lives. It's sometimes big, sometimes small. That's done in Jesus's name for the good of others. That's what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about a cruciform vocation, which is, listen to this, part and parcel of the pastoral calling, not optional, built into, hardwired into the very nature of the calling itself so that you cannot be a pastor without, as many of you know that are pastors, without embracing a large helping of heartache and heartbreak. Is that right? Both your own and the heartbreak and the heartache of the people that you serve. And so God is hardwired, I think, into the calling of the pastor, what he hardwired into the calling of the apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9, verse 16, where he says, Jesus, the risen Jesus says, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And while you might say the divine necessity that rests on pastors isn't the same as the divine necessity there that rested on the Apostle Paul, the stubborn and the uncomfortable fact of suffering certainly is much the same, isn't it? And yet the Apostle Paul's suffering was dramatic. And you might say, not might say, you would say, I would say, it's a lot more dramatic than anything I've experienced, at least to date. Perhaps you as well. Over the years, I've found, I I will confess, I've found uh, one or two rubber chickens in my mailbox, a few discrediting flyers on the windshield of my car, some lengthy missives sent out to our entire church email distribution list talking about me, some not-so-nice emails in my inbox. I call them affectionately Monday morning emails to my congregation, right? And yet I've not, at least I've not yet, been thrown into prison, or beaten, or suffered 40 lashes minus one, or been in danger from robbers, or shipwrecked, or nearly stoned to death, or even gone without food, or sleep for a single night. And yet here's the interesting thing. For Paul, these intense examples of suffering, these don't top the list of his suffering. That's the interesting thing. So you think about his catalog of suffering there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where he moves through all of these profound and dramatic kinds of suffering and then arrives at the conclusion, which I would argue is the climax in verses 28 and 29 of 2 Corinthians 11, and says this, And apart from these other things, as as though he's getting right to the very heart of his suffering, apart from all these other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who's made to fall and I am not indignant? And So Paul, the pastor, I think he speaks for all pastors when he says this. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And here's the key I want you to hear, always carrying in the body of the, the death of Jesus in our body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, that's cruciformity, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Here's the pastoral punchline. So death is at work in us, but life in
1: you, he says. Hey, everybody, just a quick announcement about an exciting opportunity for you potentially to get more involved with the ministries and programming here at the Center for Pastor Theologians. We recently announced that we have begun to accept applications for our fifth Ecclesial Theologian Fellowship. This fellowship will be added to our four existing fellowships. And this is a great opportunity for aspiring and established pastor theologians to join with other like-minded ministers in fellowship and uh, to share the vision of the Pastor Theologians that is at the center of our mission here at the CPT. If you're interested in finding out more or applying, you can go to our website, pastortheologians.com, and click on the fellowships link on the homepage.
0: And so pastor, listen, if you're a pastor here this morning, Your ecclesial location with people means a cruciform vocation for people. That means death will be at work in you so that life might be at work in your people. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you are yoked to people who sometimes can be unruly, and thus you're yoked to suffering with your people and for your people. And so, you see, here's the key, I think, the key point I want to make this morning in this talk. It's this dual aspect of the pastor's calling, ecclesial location, which brings with it a cruciform vocation. And it's this, this dual aspect that's not a hindrance to theology, but a help. I might even go so far as to say it's the generative source of theology theology. It's the place where it's born in the cauldron of the church, in the crucible of suffering. What would be fun would be to linger on the book of Galatians, actually. I was thinking about this. Quoted Galatians 2.20. Where is Galatians 2.20 found? But in Paul's articulation, first articulation, arguably, of his doctrine of justification. But if you take his suffering seriously, then is suffering the generative source of his doctrine of justification? That'd be a pretty fun PhD thesis if anybody's looking for one. Seriously, to grapple with that question. Many of you will know the name Nicholas Walterstorff, one of of the leading American Christian philosophers. For years he taught at Calvin and, and then at Yale, and with Alvin Plantinga was responsible for the movement known as Reformed Epistemology. What you might not know about Walterstorff is the profound suffering he's had to endure in his life. A number of years ago, he lost a 25-year-old son in a tragic climbing accident, and then he writes about it in this powerful little book called Lament for a Son. I commend that to you. It's like a, a, a contemporary version of C.S. Lewis's Grief Observed. It's sort of the, the same length and the same profundity and the same, in a sense, kind of open-endedness and lingering in the reality of suffering, his lament for a son. And he says in the opening to that book that because of this traumatic experience that he went through, this this massively painful experience he went through, that, that nowadays he says, when I first meet people and they ask me, so tell us a little bit about yourself, he says, I often feel compelled to answer this way, I am one who lost a son. That's who I am. Because as he says, listen to this quote, that loss determines my identity. Not all of it, but much of it. It belongs with my story. You see, pastors are specialists in loss. That's what pastors are. They are specialists in loss. Just this past week, the angel of death, as one of, our, one of our patriarchs in our church put it, the angel of death, visited our congregation. We lost three people just this past week in our congregation, two senior saints and one young mother and wife in her mid to late 20s who died the day after her only son's third birthday after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. You see, that's just the warp and woof, of, as you know, of pastoral ministry. Pastors specialize in loss, in hurt, in pain, in trauma, in suffering, in soul anguish of one kind or another. And this is the point. The loss that they experience, the loss you experience, determines, as Walter Storff puts it, determines your identity, not the whole of your identity, but much of your identity. It now belongs to your story, and here it is. It shapes your entire outlook on life, and ministry, and the church, and people, and God, and yes, even your theology, whether you're fully aware of it or not. Cruciformity is a help, not a hindrance to theological reflection. That's the point. You may know the name Jürgen Moltmann, arguably one of the one of the one of the great German theologians of the 20th century. And he, in a, in a sobering way, describes the trauma that he experienced living through the events of the Second World War, and and, and describes it in, in, in brief in his in his book, Experiences in Theology, where he describes how traumatic it was in July of 1943 to watch the destruction of his hometown of of Hamburg. In a a military raid, the RAF called Operation Gomorrah, right? And Moltmann talks about the trauma of of seeing, witnessing 40,000 people in his hometown die, many of whom, as he says, were literally burnt to death. Moltmann nearly loses his own life, he says, and he watches his friend as he says, quote, unquote, Blown to pieces while he was standing right next to him. Now, you might say that that kind of horrific experience would would undermine one's capacity to do theology. And yet, listen to Moltmann, who sounds amazingly like Paul at this point. Listen to this. My experiences of death at the end of the war the depression into which the guilt of my people plunged me and the inner perils and utter resignation behind barbed wire, these were the places where my theology was born. And so too, y'all, I want to say so too for the pastor theologian. As a pastor, in his ecclesial location, with his cruciform vocation, this is where his theology is born. Indeed, I would add, this is where it's nursed, this is where it's nurtured, and by the grace of God, this is where it reaches its full maturity in the cauldron of the church and in the crucible of suffering. But you may be wondering, in what ways, right? So that's a question I laid out at the beginning. In what ways? Ecclesial location, cruciform vocation, it is the generative source, or at least it has salutary effect on your theology if it doesn't give rise to your theology. That's been the point I've been trying to make thus far. But let's get down to the brass tacks. In what specific ways, then? Does cruciformity, your experience of cruciformity, have impact on your theology? Shape a pastor's theology. No doubt, lots of different ways, but let me give it, let me try to lay it out in, in what I take to be four essential ways that I've seen to some extent in my own experience and gleaned as I've, as I've tracked with the experience and the thinking of others. And, and I should probably hasten to add here at this point that these aren't the only ways, right, that, that theology is impacted by cruciformity and by suffering. I'm just gonna lay out four. These won't be the only ways. There are no doubt other things that'll be kind of firing off in your mind. And I also wanna say this, that these, uh, the, that suffering is gonna influence theology. This happens not only... Or exclusively to pastor theologians, but it happens to every theologian insofar as they embrace the reality of suffering in their life. But my only point is just to say that for pastor theologians, cruciformity is essential to your calling in a way it just isn't for other callings. I believe that to be true biblically and theologically. And so, cruciformity, what is its impact? Here's the first thing I wanna say. And set out for you to think about. Cruciformity in the life of the pastor, the pastor theologian, helps you see theologically. It helps you see. It corrects for what you might call epistemic nearsightedness or even blindness. It helps you see. There is, in other words, proven hermeneutical value in suffering for the sake of others. And it's a proven hermeneutical value, not least in the reading of the Bible. So that if you do not embrace cruciformity for its salutary effect on your sight, on your theological sight, you may not see things that are there in the Bible. That's what I want to say. I wouldn't, for example, talking about my own experience, I wouldn't, for example, have known who this person of division was from the pastoral epistles if I'd not collided with some of those prickly folks in my own church. I would have never caught the force of Paul's charge to Timothy not to let them despise you for your youth, If I'd not been the recipient of a 32-page hostile missive referring to me no less than 14 times as young Todd creates an existential moment where you resonate with the realities of Scripture you otherwise never would have seen. As you're dropped into the crucible of suffering, it puts you in a position to, to resonate with the realities of the psalmists and Paul and it has a kind of hermeneutical effect, you see things you would otherwise never, never see. I never would have grasped the beauty of Scripture's declaration about us in the image of God, male and female. He created them, Genesis 1, If I'd not walked alongside a man in our congregation who wakes up every, almost every morning and has to make a decision to be male because he would rather be a female. Never would have seen the beauty of it
1: of God's declaration there in Genesis 127. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of this presentation from our 2015 conference, The Pastor as Cruciform Theologian. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerliger. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.